Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen. I am Dan Bespris, and this is Fantasy NBA Today. It's a Wednesday recap show that is going to focus largely on basketball players named Jalen. But fear not, that still gives us about, I don't know, 30, 40 players to talk about, I think, in the modern NBA. It's a joke. I do jokes here on Fantasy NBA Today. They're great ones, every single one. Gold, Jerry. This show is available in a lot of places these days. We're doing it live on YouTube. We're doing it live on Twitter. We've got it after the fact on YouTube. We've got it after the fact on Twitter. We've got it after the fact on iTunes, Spotify, whatever other podcast device you use. The podcast app on your mobile device, Google Play, so on, so forth. Thank you to everybody who listens, rates, likes, subscribes on all of that stuff. You've been a big part of why... We've been able to join forces with the incredible Believe Network, Sports Ethos and Believe, hanging out together, making beautiful podcast friendships as we roll along the way. I want to dive right in after I yell at you guys to follow me on social media. So however you're taking in the show, whether it's, again, maybe you're scrolling through your X feed and it's like, oh, Dan is going live. Follow at Dan Bespris. Make sure to hit that button. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure to navigate over. We do a lot of stuff on social media. That's the that's the note. That's it. Let's talk basketball. Let's talk last night. It was a busy Wednesday. I admit, friends, I've completely lost track of what day of the week it is. My damn kids were sick for so long, I've totally lost track. But let's start at the top. It doesn't actually matter what day it is. Today's Thursday, so happy Thursday. It's a quick day. Oh, quick note here for those that are hanging out with us either live or watching uh, early or listening li- early in the day. Today is a uh, Euro NBA day. There's a game in Paris that starts in like two hours, so make sure to check your lineups first thing this morning. Cavs and Nets are tipping at, I think it's 11 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, 11 a.m. Pacific time start. That's why those two teams only have one game this week, just in case you guys were curious. Anyway, back to the board. Sacramento blew out Charlotte because Charlotte isn't even really an NBA team right now. They were barely an NBA team when they had their players, and they don't even have any players left. So what do we take away from this one? (laughs) Nothing. Seriously. What are you going to do with a game where a team gets blown out and it's not even close? Certainly on the Kings' side, the only note on this one is that Remember when we had Keegan Murray as a buy low and he was ranked like 105? And I was like, this is the easiest buy low I've ever seen in my life. You guys know where he's at now in 9-cat? 54. And this is actually, I think, where he can probably hang out. Field goal percent is up to 46.5. Remember he was at like 39? Here we go, baby. The Keegan Murray surge has happened. Malik Monk still trucking along and everything else is sort of irrelevant on Sacramento. So I really want to try to focus on the big picture stuff. Don't, let's not get caught in the minutia. We're going to talk about everybody named Jalen. Was there anybody named Jalen in this game? I want to keep my promise. Even if they didn't play well, I said I would talk about Jalen's. No Jalen's in this game. Terry Rozier. Uh, I haven't responded to the comment from a couple days ago on YouTube, but someone was like, Dan, you're, you're getting caught up in recency bias uh, when it comes to Terry Rozier. And so I kind of want to talk through how I got to where I got. 
because I take all of your comments very seriously, and I think most of them are written with love because it's people that you guys watch this show a lot. Some of you might not know how to sort of construct tone in a, a comment on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, but I'm, I'm never going to be the guy that holds that against you. I'm never going to be the analyst that gets super defensive about stuff unless I, like, haven't slept in four days, and then, you know, I would just beg your forgiveness on that one. But to the point of recency bias on Terry Rozier, here's what I was thinking. Last year, I liked Terry Rozier. I thought he was going to have another good season. And there, you know, all the signs pointed to him basically being able to repeat what he did the previous year. And then he didn't. It was as simple as that. He just didn't. His shooting was uh, basically all the way back down. After he had had two or three years in a row, 42, 45, 45% shooting, he dropped back down to 41 and a half. His usage was way up because LaMelo Ball basically missed the entire season, but the inefficiency actually counterweighted the increase in usage. He also had a poor free throw shooting year for reasons we don't entirely know. And so everything kind of got held back. This year, and admittedly, we were too high on him last season. Don't really fully understand it. But that's what happened. The reason I wasn't as high on Rozier this year as I was last year was not actually because he had a bad season last year. It was because it felt like, and obviously the entire team has gotten hurt, so none of this actually came to fruition, but with LaMelo Ball likely coming back, which didn't hurt Rozier, he got better shots, that one was a bit of a wash, but they added Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges, those were the two big pieces. That was the handicap for me. Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges were going to come back. Those guys were going to get some number of shots. I figured at least 20 between the two of them, and it's actually been higher than that. But again, some of that clouded by who's been in and who's been out. And so my thought was, okay, well, Rozier's probably going to drop back down maybe more like 15 shots a year instead of 16 to 19 where he had been the last three seasons. Possibly even lower. So it wasn't that I, I don't think I ever said during draft season to specifically avoid Terry Rozier. I think I just said this isn't really a guy that I'm targeting this season because I think you're going to see his role slightly diminished. And I thought there was a chance that if things went south, he was one of their potential trade chips, which that one is actually still on the table. But again, I'm not, I can't use that as an excuse because as a Roto guy, that's not something that I really game plan for anyway. But what's happened now is that Rozier missed the beginning of this season. Remember, he, he basically started the year hurt. By the time he got back, everybody else on the team was out. LaMelo's been out. Hayward's been out. P.J. Washington's been out. Bodies just dropping left and right. Miles Bridges is basically the last man standing for that team. Mark Williams has been out. Forgot about Mark Williams being hurt. Brandon Miller, even lately, has had a flu. And so Rozier's taking 19 shots a game again. But his efficiency is back up where it was two seasons ago. So it's actually better than ever. So it wasn't about recency bias for this year. It was about the addition of two more guys that I figured the Hornets were going to be carving out shots for. Now, what does that mean going forward? It's not take lock for me to say he's a sell high. Because if the Hornets get any of these guys back, again, they're missing like 60% of their rotation players right now. Rozier's not going to get 19 shots a game when all of those guys are healthy. Could his efficiency stay higher? Yeah, it could. But will the assist stay at 7? No. Will the scoring stay at 24? No. Are the threes? Uh, they could maybe stick a little bit. 4.7 free throws a game? No. 
all these things are coming down. But then the opposite part of that is people are like, well, nobody wants my Terry Rozier because they all know he's going to drop off. So now it's about understanding how far you think he's going to fall. My guess is he's at 25 right now. If the usage takes the hit that I expect, which is like 15 to 20 percent, actually, it's like a pretty good knock on what he's doing right now. That's a couple of rounds. That's 15 to 25 slots. So if you can get someone back in the 40 to 50 range, I think you sort of lock in value and you get the added bonus of sort of buttressing against the possibility of a trade. So I hope that makes sense. And I hope that addresses what was a very reasonable question about Rozier in uh, one of the previous shows. See, I did find something to talk about on Charlotte. Brandon Miller, I mentioned earlier this year, I didn't think was a nine-cat guy. It doesn't look like he's a nine-cat guy yet. He probably will be at some point in the future, maybe even within the next two months. Not right now. I'm still okay with streaming Nick Richards. I don't think I go too far down any of these other pathways. At least not. I'm, at this point, you just have to hope that guys come back. No real notes on Washington. They kept this game competitive, so most of the key guys had better basketball games. Better, in quotation marks. Gafford was amazing. God, how good has Daniel Gafford been this year? He's number 41 in 9-cat in 26 minutes a game. 41, friends. Even the atrocious Jordan Poole had a better ball game. Keep an eye on Denny Avdia. If he starts to cool off, then you start to bench him. He's a stream-while-warm guy. Kyle Kuzma was... I mean, how many times did we scream about sell high? He's number 141 in nine cat. No defensive stats at all. Percentages, turnovers are all atrocious these days. Somebody's probably going to trade for him, and maybe that helps. I don't know. And then Tyus Jones was not quite as good in this game, but, you know, who cares? Indiana side is the more interesting side in this ballgame, so let's pause there for a minute. I want to try to zip through the games where we can and pause where, on the ones where we need to go a little deeper. This is game one for the Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton. I make that sound more drastic than it is. They're hoping to have him back in a couple of weeks. But a couple of weeks is an opportunity to try to cash in on something. First of all, if you're looking for scoring, Benedict Matherin is probably going to do a fair amount of that. Nine cat, no. Obi Toppin, he got more run here because Jalen Smith was out. So don't read too much into that one either. The names that I think people... Oh, and hold on to Aaron Neesmith. There's no reason to drop him. He's been very good lately. The names that everybody was wondering what would happen with them, I think there were four of those. Andrew Nemhart, who I've said many times on this show, I don't believe is a nine-category guy, and you saw it in full force here. Buddy Heald, who the question was, hey, would he maybe get a bunch more shots with Halliburton out? And the answer on day one was no, so leave him alone. Bruce Brown, who my question was, hey, is this guy going to have to do more facilitating? And he kind of did here in the first game without Halliburton. I don't know that this level of production continues, but I do think it's worth kind of a speculative add on Bruce Brown. And then McConnell, who only played 22 minutes. TJ only got 22 minutes, but he did a lot in them. And I'm inclined to believe that in most scenarios, he's the guy who's going to get the minutes. For McConnell, if he gets up to 24, 25 minutes, he's crushing it. If he plays full starters minutes, he could be like a top 40 fantasy guy. So McConnell's the obvious one. Brown is the one that you're like, okay, maybe. Head-to-head, I think you could go for it on Bruce. Roto, maybe we just watch one more and see if he can replicate. And that's as far as I go on Indiana in the games here without Halliburton. Minnesota-Boston was a weird one because both teams were resting, guys, and the game went to overtime. Uh, Boston was without Kristaps Porzingis, so Al Horford got his fill-in game. 
Minnesota was without Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. So Nas Reed got a fill-in game uh, and Slow-Mo got a fill-in game. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker played a ton of minutes. But there hasn't been a perfect correlation between minutes and production for him. And even in this one, it was like, yeah, I mean, he did some stuff, but it took a really efficient ball game to get there. Slow-Mo is the guy you look at if both of these dudes are out. Nas Reed is a guy you look at anytime any of the big men are out for Minnesota. And you play Nas when he's hot, just sort of in general. But again, let's not spend too much time with this ball game because both teams were screwing with their lineups. There's nothing long-term to take away. We move to San Antonio, Detroit. The Toilet Bowl. I mean, there's bad, and then there's Detroit bad. Spurs whipped them. This game was over early. I I wouldn't do a whole bunch of pick-up-and-drop stuff on the Spurs based on this because nobody played more than 28 minutes. Hold Trey Jones. As long as he's starting, you're holding. That's the only note I have on San Antonio today. Jaden Ivey needs uh, a breakdown, I think, on the Detroit side. I'm not picking up Killian Hayes. I know he had 12 assists, but we've seen too much ugly to go down that rabbit hole. Jalen Duran, good. Boyan Bogdanovich, good. Ivey, this was a game, this game perfectly illustrated my fears on Jaden Ivey. He had a bunch of good stuff. 19 points, he took 18 shots, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, and 2 three-pointers. Lots of really good stuff there, but... High volume, terrible field goal percent. Missed some free throws. He actually didn't turn the ball over that much. So it didn't have all three of the the telltale mischief marks. But this is why Jaden Ivey is a full freight train go in points leagues. And why I'm flipping a coin in Roto and saying, like, is this actually good for my Roto team? The line that he just put up here? Honest to goodness, if I'm if I played this game in Roto. I think I'd be upset because I like the two blocks a lot and I like the two steals. Those are nice. But like, do I really need the 19 points and five assists all that bad? I'd rather play a guy who gets 11 points and three assists and does not obliterate my percentages on any given night. That's just me. Now, head-to-head, if you're punting one of those percentages, that makes it a little bit of an easier play. Or if you're punting a turnover and a percent, I get it. More appeal on that side. I understand. I'd want to try to tailor this podcast, all my discussions, to whatever leagues you're in, but like we can't talk for two straight hours here. But that's, to me, the sort of double-edged sword of Jaden Ivey with Cade Cunningham out for a couple of weeks. Oklahoma City beat the uh, zombie Miami Heat, and then Eric Spolstra, uh, or was this right before the ballgame? Eric Spolstra was given, I believe, the largest contract in head coaching history, which was funny because I think on yesterday's show, wasn't it the show where I said, uh, oh, and we just got terrible news on Marcus Smart right in the middle of the program. So I'll, we'll break in on that in just a second. <sighs> Damnable. Okay. So I think on yesterday's show, I was like, someone should go give Eric Spolstra like $200 million just to get him. Well, the Heat were like, ah, uh-uh. no, nay, Dan, we're not going to let you have this idea. Uh, and they gave him $120 million, and he certainly earned it. The news, unfortunately, of the morning is that Marcus Smart's finger injury, which we were hoping was not a big deal, is a big deal. And he will be out for six weeks again. Ugh. 
Is there an obvious pickup? Well, the Grizzlies just gave Vince Williams a whole bunch of money, so maybe. I don't think you have to, like, sprint out and pick up Vince Williams. I don't think that he's going to be a league winner over the next six weeks. But uh, I would say that he deserves your attention at the very least because they're back down jaw and Marcus Smart again. And the Grizzlies now are looking right down the barrel of throwing in the towel on this season. I mean, they'll keep fighting. They'll do their best. But... I mean, really, how far are you going to go without Marcus Smart and uh, yeah, anyway, and and Ja was the other one. Sorry, I was looking at Vince Williams' stats while I was talking about that. How many teams do I have Marcus Smart on is the question. Uh, only one. All right, I guess it's not a total disaster for me personally, but man, that's a pain in the butt. Tough break, man. Tough break. Yeesh. Ah, when it rains, it pours there. Man, Grizzlies can't catch a break. I, 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 uh, I, I'd be really worried if I had Grizzlies. Well, at least we know Desmond Bain is going to get 20 shots for the rest of eternity. All right, what the hell were we talking about before I got sidetracked by crummy news? Okay, see, no news, no news. They are a, uh, they're a zero Delta fantasy team, which is fine. It's boring for a podcast because all we get to talk about is guys doing cool stuff. But mostly I like to focus this show on actionable things. And there's nothing actionable with this team. Best thing I can say about OKC right now is that, hey, remember when he, we told you guys to buy low on Jalen Williams? That was another really, really, really easy call. He's up to number 56 now. Miami was weird in this one. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo, duh, and Tyler Hero, duh, and Jaime Akez, duh, while Jimmy Butler is out. Those are all the easy ones. But we had our sort of like once-a-week Nikola Jovic signing. No, you're not adding there. Haywood Highsmith played 35 minutes in this ball game because Kevin Love was basically getting having young dudes run circles around him. He couldn't guard anybody on defense. That's why Love didn't play as much in this ball game. Kevin Love has actually still been streamable lately, and frankly, even in a bad ball game here, he still did enough to not hurt you. Funny thing is, I think I'd rather have this Kevin Love game than the Jaden Ivey game. And I know that makes me sound like a crazy person, but you know, he positive percentages. Still got you some points and rebounds, and just, like, the difference was not no steals or blocks, really. And that's just the way my brain works against sort of the standard fantasy competitor. I, you know, most games, Highsmith and Love are kind of splitting minutes, and when Caleb Martin comes back, it might further complicate matters, but you're, you're not picking up Highsmith after this one big ball game, and we can continue. Still no Joel Embiid for Philadelphia, and to no one's surprise, they're not as good without him. And this is really the stretch where you've seen the Sixers miss James Harden. Because they need somebody to run the team. And as good as Tyrese Maxey has become, he's not at that level yet. The assists are, are solid. He had nine of them. I mean, he had a, re a really nice fantasy ball game. But, like, I just I don't think you want your guy taking 29 shots. I think you want him... You want a little bit more involvement 
Because Maxi took 29 shots, Tobias Harris took 24, Kelly Oubre took 11. That was the next highest number. Not a good distribution. Still, you love playing the Hawks and you love overtime for fantasy. DeAnthony Melton is going to work his way back into game shape. He's coming off this back thing, so they didn't want to overextend him. He'll be fine. He's a hold. As he ramps up, Oubre probably ramps down. Hopefully, we get Joel Embiid back in the not-too-distant future. The big disappointment in this game was that, uh, you know, I figured Paul Reed in an overtime game would get at least 20-something minutes. The nice news is that he still put up a good fantasy line in only 19 minutes. I'm still comfortable using Paul Reed when Embiid is out, even if it's not going to be these big eye-popping numbers because Marcus Morris comes in and screws things up on that front. Uh, But he does enough. Same with, you know, like Mo Bamba's in there kind of messing things up for him. But still, 20 to 25 minutes of Paul Reed is still startable in fantasy. Let's just hope that Embiid is back pretty soon. And now, the player of the day. And I forgot to talk about any Jalens that had already played. I'm sure I missed one or two. Well, I did mention Jalen Williams, though. Jalen freaking Johnson. 25 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, 3 three-pointers, 62% from the field, 6 of 6 at the free throw line, 1 turnover. He was a positive fantasy contributor in all 9 categories yesterday. That is remarkable. And on the year, Jalen Johnson is up to number 32 in 9-cat. That is just, I mean, holy crap what a year he's having. And the question I would pose to all of you guys is, is Jalen Johnson the pick of the year right now? Because for a while I thought it was Scotty Barnes, and it still could be. He has a good case for it. Barnes is number 13. For a while, I I thought there was a chance it could be Tyrese Maxey. He's fallen to number 18, which is still very impressive, but he's he's dramatically cooled. Chet Holmgren, he's at 14. He's in the mix. Kawhi Leonard is number 6. He was being drafted in the 30s. But there's just something I think about a guy drafted at like 135 or not drafted at all. That's a third rounder. That just feels like it has to be the pick of the year. Because he was off the radar in a lot of leagues. The B-150 had him at like 55 or 60 or something like that. I can't remember the exact number. I think it, I think Ethos tweeted it out last night, so it's my fault for not looking it up before coming on the show. Uh, so if you, were in, if you had a B-150 drafter in your league, they probably took Jalen Johnson in the you know 10th, 11th, 12th round, something like that. But a lot of leagues, he got picked up. Two or three leagues that I was in, I picked him up. You know, Yahoo public leagues that only go 13 rounds. Picked him up. Some folks are calling him the pickup of the year. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, again, like, draft, I think draft pick of the year. Really remarkable. I love that discussion. I love talking about the positive side of fantasy. It fills my heart. People are going to, hear me talk about Jalen Johnson as the pick of the year, and they're, in their mind, they're going to go, he's slighting Scotty Barnes. No, no. He's an awesome pick also. There's no right answer to this question. I think it's just fun to talk about these big winners. Jalen Johnson has to be near the top of the board. He has to be. 
Houston, also an overtime game. They could really use some depth right now. No Tari Eason. No official timetable on him. Dylan Brooks still out. Grumble, grumble. Cam Whitmore finally got a more extended look in this ballgame. 33 minutes, 16-5-1 with a couple steals and a couple of threes. I think Cam Whitmore is worth a speculative ad. The nice thing, too, about having a few kind of fill-in or spec ads coming up on yesterday's card is that we also had, in this very same ballgame, some obvious drops to carry us forward. And that's from the Chicago side, because now with Zach Levine going back to full tilt and Vooch coming back to full tilt, you can drop Patrick Williams. You can drop Andre Drummond. You can drop Iota Sunmo if he was on one of your teams. You don't have to worry about him. The Bulls that need to be rostered, Levine, White, Vooch, Caruso, DeRozan. Those five. They're also the five starters for Chicago, so that makes it easy to remember. It was really nice to see Levine get going. He was one that I, I had mentioned a few times as a buy low because I think people were pretty frustrated with him. Also nice to see Kobe White stay warm here with Zach Levine back. It seems more and more like White's season is not going to be as tied to Zach Levine and just more to his sort of natural hot and cold streaks. Where he settles is still kind of unclear. My guess is going to be like in the 60 to 80 range because he doesn't get defensive stats, and that's always going to keep him held back a little bit. And the field goal percent is probably not going to be great in the long term. And then do the Bulls trade, guys? That's still on the board, but they are not in the number nine seed, so suddenly they're like, well, I guess we could kind of run it back. And they're 13-9 and nine at home, so they're not a complete disaster there anymore. And offensively, they've gotten a lot more fun lately. New Orleans may have actually ended a dynasty with this ballgame. Seriously. Because Warriors Twitter, Warriors Media, the Warrior team, all three, full implosion. Trailed by as many as 40 points on their home court. They should move back to Oakland. This has to be the this has to be the uh, the, the curse of San Francisco. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into the fantasy stuff going on in this game. From a micro standpoint, I guess I did get a question if Trey Murphy needs to be rostered. The answer is yes. Does Herb Jones need to be rostered? The answer is when the team is healthy, probably not. Uh, but he had a better ball game in this one. The questions in this game seem like they need to revolve around the Warriors. Because the poop has hit the oscillating air movement device. Nerd alert! Clay Thompson, he was asked about getting booed at home. Said something like, what, do I need to worry about that? Yeah, defensive. Someone asked Steph Curry if things need to change, and he said something like, well, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yee. Getting a little warm in the yay area. But what does it mean? Well, it means one of two things. Ah, one of three things. There's three possible outcomes here on this warrior situation. Outcome number one, which in my opinion is the one that we almost definitely do see, but it doesn't preclude us from seeing the other two outcomes. Outcome number one is Draymond Green comes back in the next two games, and the Warriors see if their heart, because as Steph Curry is their best player, 
no one with a brain of any shape or size would argue against Steph Curry being the team's best player. Steph Curry and Draymond Green, I would argue, however, are equally important to what the Warriors do on a night-to-night basis. They don't have offensive fluidity without Draymond, and they don't have any defense without Draymond. They also lost Chris Paul, and everybody can talk about how he's old and washed and whatever, but he's actually still a good point guard, and so he was a guy that could get people open. The Warriors basically lost their two point guards, with Draymond and CP3 both being out. Steph can play point, but that's not his best position. Steph Curry is a transcendent all-around basketball player. But if everybody can just key on him, and he has to do all the ball handling, which is kind of what's happening right now, that's a recipe for doom. Doom. So thing number one, Draymond comes back, the Warriors see what they look like. Do they look a little bit better? I would bet almost my entire life they look at least a little bit better. Provided Draymond doesn't chokehold anybody or grab someone by the you-know-whats and yank on it. Then he'll just be done. Then he'll have to actually retire instead of just threatening to retire. But then things can go in two different ways. Because once they see what they are with Draymond, and they decide, look, are we still close to being competitive? Or are we still a train wreck? And this was like a two-train collision. Two trains going head on. It's the worst possible outcome in what we saw last night. But with Draymond, they have to decide, look, are we just like... Are we still a train wreck, but just not as embarrassing a train wreck? Or are we competent? Because once they get the answer to that question, then the Warriors start to figure out, are we a buyer or a seller? Either way, change is on the horizon. If they're a buyer, which I think is actually great for a lot of guys, they send out pieces. Teams want Wiggins' contract. Teams want Jonathan Kaminga's human, because young, interesting. Teams are going to want Brandon Pajemski, glue guy, who's totally run out of energy, by the way. Teams might be interested in Trace Jackson Davis. Warriors will package together some stuff, a young guy, a bunch of picks, whatever. Go get another player. Okay, we'll reassess at that point. Or, is it time to break it up? Is it time to take the chisel? bang it through the middle of this thing, and just split it. In which case, Clay probably gets moved. Wiggins almost definitely gets moved. It's hard to know exactly where they end up and what their fantasy value would be in that scenario. All of this to say, we bring it all together into our lovely little package, you can't really do anything with the Warriors until we know what direction they're heading. I'm not starting Trace Jackson Davis unless he's starting. I know he had a better ball game here, but when he comes off the bench, the minutes are too uh, too much in flux. Clay, you start. Steph, you start. That's it for me right now. Even Pajemski, I'm not starting because he's hit a rookie wall, which rookies almost always hit a wall, and then you can always tell how fast it's going to happen by how many times they're getting knocked to the ground in a ball game. and Pajemski was playing so hard... And, like, his whole story to this point this year, was a good one, by the way, was, oh, he's, like, grinding out, defending, getting rebounds, getting assists. 
there are ten year NBA vets playing that have that profile that can't stay healthy for a full season. So you knew a kid coming in wasn't going to be able to. And he's upright to his credit. He's still healthy, but he's got nothing in the tank. Let's see what happens when Draymond comes back, and then we can reassess again. But something's going to pop for the Warriors. What will it be? So I guess Utah's good now. Nothing changes on the Denver side. But for the Jazz, it's like it's a different assortment of players every ballgame other than Larry Markkinen. So Markkinen is a start. That's an easy one. I haven't looked at his rank in a while. Where's Lowry at? Did he fall back a little? No, he's still number 10. Damn, that's an impressive year. Chris Dunn had another good ball game. He played 26 minutes here. I love Chris Dunn. I don't know why I'm so hesitant to make a move on him. I mean, I know why I'm hesitant to make a move on him. It's because, you know, half the time he's playing like 16 minutes. Chris Dunn's minutes since the team has gotten healthy are 19, 19, 18, 20, 16, 26, 33, 24, 26. They've trended up a little bit, but assists, steals, typically kind of field goal percent. I know it didn't really sh- shoot at all. He kind of needs to be rostered. It seems nuts because he's number 217 on the year. But over the last week, he's number 52 as like a weird point guard version of Matisse Thibel. Nobody really all that obvious is out for the Jazz right now. And Chris Dunn is splitting the point guard minutes almost right down the middle with Keontae George. 24 minutes a game is enough for Chris Dunn because he's going to get you assists. He's going to get you a ton of steals. The Jazz are playing their butts off right now. So add him to the mix. I like Larry Markinen. I like Colin Sexton. I like Walker Kessler. I know Kessler's minutes are also all over the map, but over the last month, two months, he's been like number 65, so I wouldn't worry about the game-to-game too much. John Collins, not doing enough on a game-to-game basis for me. Too quiet of a fantasy line these days. Kelly Olynyk, I think we can probably push to the side for now. Jordan Clarkson is on one of his heaters at the moment, and obviously he plays better when he has point guards with him, Chris Dunn being one that helps a lot. But for Clarkson, I mean, we've seen this a thousand times. He has three big ball games in a row and then crashes into the earth. And anybody that doesn't remember the last one can't remember four weeks ago. Sell high on Clarkson when he's running like this. So Clarkson, if you want to start him when he's hot, I'm okay with that. Kessler, Sexton, Markinen are the ones that I'm going with every day. And then right now, I think I'm going with Chris Dunn. But it is a little bit of a specialist look. But I mean, damn. 24 minutes, he's getting you like two steals a ball game. He's got a DeLon Wright thing going on. And then Toronto, they were able to hang in there for a while, but just kind of ran out of steam late against the Clippers. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to take away from this ballgame. The usual... R.J. Barrett is on a heater of his own, just like the beginning of the year in New York. He's shooting like 52% from downtown right now. You know that's not going to last long term. So if you really want to play Barrett right now, you can. Just know it's going to run out, and when it does, it's going to be oogly. Oogly. Oogly boogly. It's going to be bad. I'm sure I forgot to talk about a Jalen somewhere in there. We had Jalen Duran, we had Jalen Williams, we had Jalen Johnson. Those are the ones that are crushing it. I am excited by the fact that I look over into this into a chat box on StreamYard and I can see folks posting in Twitter. I can see folks 
posting on YouTube. I got stuff firing in on social. What a cool day. What a cool time, other than the Marcus Smart news. One question that got asked that I didn't address was what to do uh, with Luke Kennard. And you guys know I like Luke Kennard. And I talked about him at the beginning of the year as somebody that I was sort of like side-eyeing. Hey, can this guy get enough minutes to actually put up consistent fantasy value? The answer is I, I don't think they're going to play him enough. I think the Grizzlies believe his body can't quite handle a full workload. And if you look at his minutes per game this year, it basically tells that story, which is, first of all, he hasn't been healthy this season. He didn't start the year healthy, and he hasn't really ever been healthy. He's cleared 30 minutes one time. That was on November 5th. If someone could tell me that Luke Kennard was going to get to play like 27 minutes a game, I would pick him up. But I'm not going to do it before I see it happen. Because I just don't know that his body can handle it, and I don't think the Grizzlies even believe his body can handle it. Vince Williams Jr. is going to get the first crack at those minutes. You're going to see the Grizzlies try out all sorts of random crap now with the team going down, and they're going to be a silly season club. So get ready to see Jacob Gilliard play down the stretch and Santi Aldama play down the stretch and maybe Luke Kennard and maybe John Conchar and maybe David Roddy and maybe Xavier Tillman and maybe Zaire Williams. I don't know today. Today, uh, well, I guess, I don't know. Does anybody, do the Grizzlies even playing tonight? I guess I probably should have looked that up before I started talking about them. I don't think they have a game today, do they? No, they, they played again tomorrow. Uh, they host the Clippers tomorrow. What are the Grizzlies going to do tomorrow? If JJJ is back, it's going to be probably, well, they waived Bismarck Biombo, so there's going to be more Tillman, who's eh, iffy for fantasy value. JJJ, Desmond Bain, and then it's like, well, we'll see if anybody else actually gets to do enough consistently. Vince Williams likely starts, so that's the reason that I mentioned him as this sort of speculative ad for 12-teamers. Definitely an ad in, in slightly deeper formats. And then you wait and see, because they're not just going to pull the plug on the season on January 11th. It sucks. They're going to see if they can win a handful of games without Marcus Smart, but, I mean, ultimately they won't. And then eventually they'll pull the plug. I don't think they're going to be big sellers at the deadline, because they still feel like they've got enough there. They've just been brutalized by injuries and suspensions this year. I don't think they're going to be a buyer at the deadline, because they know this season is a lost cause. They're a team that's probably going to get to February and March and just start giving their guys days off. And that's when you really want to dig in. Not January 11th. February, March, that's dig-in time on the Grizzlies. And that is where we'll put a pin in it for today. Thank you for the lovely audience. To those that are hanging out with us live on Twitter and YouTube, please take a moment to like I don't even know where you're at. If you're on Twitter, maybe you could pop over to YouTube and hit the like button. If you're on YouTube, make sure you pop over to Twitter and follow. And no matter where you take in the podcast, please subscribe. That is such a big deal. Such a big deal, especially here with us moving over to the Believe Network. Uh, Want to make sure that we make a great impression on them and on our friends over at Manscaped.com where you can get anything at Manscaped. 
for 20% off and free shipping with promo code ethos20. Promo code is ethos20, E-T-H-O-S, 2-0 for 20% off your order and free shipping at manscaped.com. I am at Dan Vespers over on social media. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Come hang out with us over in Discord. The link is in the show description. Everywhere I think except Twitter has a show description. That one that one I don't think has anything there. So you'll have to find it either on YouTube or iTunes or where I'm forgetting how to talk here at the end of the program. Uh, that link is posted everywhere. I also have a pinned tweet with a bunch of these links as well. So if you're watching on, on Twitter, that's a good place to find it over there. And make sure to get your fantasy news, and this is the Twitter handle. I'm going to post it on the screen so everybody can see it on my way out. That is the Twitter handle to get your fantasy basketball news. That's the Sports Ethos Fantasy Basketball News feed. It's a really good one, and uh, make sure you check that out. Tomorrow we'll have our big week in review show for Friday. I'm wondering, I don't think I'm going to have a show on Saturday, but I really want to try to get a show out on Sunday because I missed so many over the last couple of weeks with winter break and the kids having gastroenteritis, and me being out of my mind. And look, everybody, remember how the other day I said I was going to clean up my uh, facial hair situation? Huh? A little better today, right? Still got a pretty thick beard, but that's okay. That's kind of what I'm going for. Cleaned up the cheeks, cleaned up the neck. Shout out, manscaped.com. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Again, game start basically in an hour. Set your lineups early. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>